we are in this series, week three. It's from the book that Rick Warren wrote over 20 years ago, originally Purpose Driven Life. It's a world bestseller, over 35 million copies. He's rewritten it and it's rebranded as What on Earth Am I Here For? Who's ever thought that? What on earth am I here for? Come on, be honest right now. What on earth? Not like tonight so much, but just as a general thing, what on earth am I here for? All right. And so we're unpacking this in the very first week. We learned that God has a calling for every person on this planet. He's called us for His purpose, every single one of us. That His purpose for you, He actually wrote before the world was created. He he thought of you, He wanted one of you, and he He created this purpose for your life, what the Bible calls a calling. You have a calling from God. We discovered that while there might be unplanned pregnancies, there are never unplanned babies. And we heard all about Ross last week. Thank you, Isaac. That was awesome. Uh, So I love that. Uh, We learned this idea that your calling is a gift from God. You don't earn it. It's a gift from God. We also learned this idea. It just got lighter in here, didn't it? Whoa, that's awesome. Love the LED. Uh, We also learned that your past does not disqualify you from your calling. Okay, God, He knew. He knew before He created you that we'd stuff up. But he still gave us his awesome calling. We learned that the catalyst for me beginning to live this, this life of purpose, there's nothing like living with this sense of purpose in your heart. Not just going from weekend to weekend, thank God it's Friday, if only I can make it through. Come on, there's a, there's a better way than living than that. There's a better way than living from, from party to party. There's a, there's a life of purpose that comes up on the inside of us and God created it and it starts when, like Lydia talked about, we surrender our life to Christ. When we invite God into our heart, at that moment, we are born again spiritually and that calling that God created you for now has a catalyst to begin. You get spiritual gifts from God and you can now begin to live that call. That was, that was the opener. Last week we learned uh, the first of our five callings. Okay, so your calling has five different aspects, Tristan. All right, five. We're going to ask you later on just to see if you're listening. It has five different aspects. Last week we talked about the first one and it was that you're called to be loved. You and I, we're called to be loved by God. That's why there's such a deep longing in the heart of every person to find a relationship that makes them complete. And in the words of Jerry Maguire, who thought that you complete me, can I just tell you right now, there is no one out there who will complete you. Only God Himself in heaven will complete you, okay? You're created for that relationship to experience His love. Now, of course, if that's good on the inside and your partner's got that same sense of stability and security because of their relationship with God, well, then away we go. That that makes for a great foundation of a great relationship. But it's got to come out of this place of I'm called by God. God to be loved. You are loved. He smiles over you. He's delighted in you. When you live knowing He loves you, it's not about what you can achieve or do. It's actually receiving His love. We learn these things that I can, if I know I'm loved, I can have peace even when things are painful. If I know I'm loved, I can live free from shame. If I know I'm loved, I can worship instead of worrying because I know He's got this. I know God cares about the details of my life. If I know I'm loved, I can be bold. I can take courage. Just, it's just an awesome thing that the starting place of your calling and my calling is I'm loved by my heavenly Father. You are loved by your heavenly Father. It's, it's the starting place of discovering your purpose. Get that right and everything flows. Now, if you've never actually begun a relationship with God, if you've never received His love and and said yes to what He's done for us through Jesus, then at the end of this message, I'm going to ask you to raise your hand. 
I'm not going to ask you to come out the front. I'm going to ask you to raise your hand while eyes are closed. And then after that, I'm going to lead us all in a prayer that we all say after me. Okay, just so this is no surprise at the end of the message. And, I'll, and, and what I'll do, I'll pray a simple prayer. And I would love you to pray this simple prayer after me saying, God, I, I want that relationship that you created me for. I receive your love into my life and the forgiveness that Jesus died on the cross for. And if you would pray that prayer, then boom, as Teresa would say, boom, hashtag, then you're away on your purpose and calling because you're connected to God. All right, that's, that's what happens. So tonight, let's look at the second part of our, of our calling in our life. Your relationship, we said earlier, is that we, we're adopted and we become children of God. He becomes our Father. Let's look at this in Hebrews 2 verse 10. God is the one who made all things. All things are for His glory. He wanted to have many children Share his glory. Many children. Now let's just do a quick survey. Who's in a family of more than three? More than four? Let's see who's got the most. More than five? Uh, okay, this is not a theological question. The whole, the whole ch church life doesn't count. More than five kids. More than five kids? More than six kids? More than seven kids? More than eight kids? Eight kids. Eight kids? Eight over here and eight, oh, eight kids? That's a solid family. That, that's awesome. I think Marita Smith might have the record in our church. She's in a family of 13 kids. Back before there were things called televisions. Okay, that's, that's what was going on. All right. Well, God, he wanted a big family. We, I've got three in my family, and I'm, I love all of them. And I especially this weekend love my middle son, Mitchell, who turned 21. Very proud of you, Mitch. He's awesome. He's got a heart of gold. He's super encouraging. He's always, always just speaking life into people. Super kind, and we're very proud of you, mate. Just finished first year internship, so well done. Okay, we got three. But God didn't want to stop at three or five or even 13. He wanted a family of children all around the world. In fact, we were created to be part of God's family, and in that, we discover our second purpose. We were called not just to be loved by God, but we were called to belong. We are called to belong. Here we are. The second, person of my, the second purpose of my life is God formed me for his family. Ephesians 1 verse 5. We're going to read a few scriptures. His unchanging plan has always been to adopt us into his own family by bringing us to himself through Jesus Christ. Now, I grew up in a church where people weren't, we called each other brother and sister. Hello, brother Josh. Hello, brother Dave. Now, you don't have to do that, but you can just look across the room right now and just say, hey, bro. Hey, sis, just go and do it just to someone. Hey, bro, nice to see you. We're part of the family. Now, here's, the, here's the, the good news and the bad news. You've got an awesome family, but you might have heard this. You can choose your friends, but you can't choose your relatives. Well, welcome to church where you can't choose your relatives. There's some weird brothers and sisters in church, but that's okay. We love one another anyway. Don't point to anybody right now. I'm just telling you. Don't, don't, don't. just be nice. God's family. Well, here's the thing. God's family is called His church. That's actually what his family is called. 1 Timothy says, I'm writing to you so you'll know how to live in the family of God. That family is the church of the living God, the support and foundation of the truth. Now, I love this scripture. There's a couple of things. If you put it back up, I want to pull out. First of all, he writes, he says, because I want you to know how to live in God's family. I want you to know how to live in the family of God. God's family has some family values and some family rules, some family distinctives. I was at Jacob Hickman's wedding on Thursday, and we're sitting at a table, and we were talking about uh, each of us, those at the table, what when we got uh, married, what the family culture clash was like. Who's you know who's married in the room here today? Who, who, you, so you know what I mean about family culture clash. 
Okay, so one of them said, well, because we were sharing, uh, the food was equally good, so we split our meals, Danielle and I, we shared. And this guy goes, when I got married, in my family, you never shared anything. You got it, you put it on your plate, no one touched it. I went to her family, I put stuff on my plate, and all her brothers and sisters just started flogging things off my plate. Culture clash, okay. Uh, and then the other guy goes, well, in my family, you don't have a party without alcohol. In her family, you don't have any alcohol in the house. Culture clash. Who knows what I'm talking about? Uh, uh, there's a great couple in our church, and in his family, when you play games, you, you play to win, and there's, there's no other way, and people will be hurt if they don't win. In her family, her grandmother taught her how to cheat. So you put those two together in a room and you've got a culture clash of, of what, what to do and what not to do. I, I tend to be more with the guy about winning is everything. But anyway, that, that, that's just me. That's, so when you join God's family, there's, sometimes there's a culture clash. Sometimes my upbringing and the way God's family actually do things is different. And it can take a little while to get used to it. But the Bible is all about spelling out how God's family, the church, should live. That's what Jesus came to teach us. And so God's family is the church. It's the church. I want you to know today that your calling is to belong in God's family, the church. You are called. That's your second call, to be loved by God, but to belong to his family, the church. Ephesians 2 verse 1 says this, So now you are no longer visitors or strangers. You're citizens together with God's holy people. You belong to God's family. I want you to say this after me. I belong to God's family. I want you to say this again. I belong to his church. Now, I love that. I love that. Uh, sometimes people often miss out on this thing. I remember when we were first designing our website for the church. And there's a scripture in the Bible where Jesus said, I will build my church. That's the first time the word church is used in the New Testament. He said, I'll build my church. So our vision statement for quite a while as a church was our vision is to build the church. Now, the, uns the guy who doesn't normally come to church, he wasn't a Christian, came and he was helping us with our website. He looked at our vision statement and he said, uh, he said okay, so your vision is to build the church. And he goes, tick, you've already done it. Here it is. You built it. Because his mindset was that the church is a building. I'm going to go to the church. Uh, oh, what about this? this and you, we've heard this over the last little while. Can't wait till church opens up again. Church never shut down. Because the church it was never a building. We, we meet as a church in a building. But this is an industrial shed. It's not a church. It just happens to be the place where God's people gather together. But then when you gather together at Isaac and Siena's for, for small group on a Monday night, that becomes church. And then when we gather in Jesus' name around a table and pray together, that becomes church. Then when we gather and pray together on Thursday morning on the line on Instagram, come on somebody, that becomes church. It's church. It's, church is not a building. It's, it's a group of people. In fact, the, the, the Greek word for church, was the, the word they used was the word called ecclesia. So a lot, of, a lot of Bible words are taken from the culture of the Romans or the Jews, and, they, and we hear it. And, he, and so Jesus said, I will build my ecclesia. You know what an ecclesia was? When Romans would send a message to one of their colonies, to one of their cities, someone would come in and there'd be a message and they'd, they'd sound the trumpet and all the citizens of Rome in the, in, the, in the whole area would hear the trumpet, they would come out and they would gather and there'd be a public meeting and there'd be a declaration of rules or military action or something. Now, not everyone in the community would come out, only the citizens. And that was called an ecclesia. It was the gathering of the called out ones 
for a purpose. That's, that's the church. The church ne- was never meant to be a building, it was, but it is meant to be a gathering of people. A gathering. You know what? In history, you go, oh, you shut down the buildings, you shut down the church. No, 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 no. China's had some of the most amazing growth of church uh, in the underground church who just gathered in one another's homes for centuries, and it's explosive. You cannot kill the church. You can shut the building down, but you can't kill the church because we are not a building. We're a spiritual building, but I'll get to that in a minute. Okay, it's not a physical building. So here we go. So we're going to talk about what is the church then? If it's not a building... And I'm called to belong to the church as as one of my most important things. What's the church? You know, God designed the church to meet five of the deepest needs in your life. Five of the, the most significant needs that every one of us have as a human being will not be fulfilled unless we're part of the church. Now, now sometimes we sing songs and I have to have a slight chuckle to myself. And we do them here. It's like, you're all I need. And we're singing to Jesus. I know, that was beautiful, wasn't it? I'll stop. You're all, you're all I need. And I get it. You're the start of what I need, Jesus. You're the finish of what I need. You're the main thing that I need. But he's not all that I need. We'll keep singing the song because it's just about something in my heart. Because when God created Adam and Eve and he saw them in the garden, he went to visit them. When he saw Adam, Adam had the garden, he had God, he had angels, he had relationship, it was perfect. And God actually said, Adam, it's not good that you're alone. I mean, who's going to give you directions anyway? Apart from that, it's not good that you're alone. Okay, who's going to tell you? Anyway, uh, it's just not good. You won't be able to work it out, Adam. You're not designed to be alone. You're you're designed to be in relationship. That's part of your human nature. You'll never be fully satisfied till we're in relationship with God, but until we belong. And that's why he's built the church. And in the the Bible, there's at least five, there's more, but there's at least five, we're going to touch on some of them tonight, that are metaphors for the church. Like, you know, they're just things that help us, natural things that we can see that help give us a picture of what the church is supposed to be like. And some places he calls it a family. In some places, the church is called a temple or a a building. In some places, it's called Jesus' body. Other places, it's called his flock. I'm going to talk about that. In other places, uh, it's called a garden. Okay, so so these five. And each, each of those five specific metaphors relate to one of your deepest needs of what the church is supposed to be. When you get this, you understand why the devil works so hard to pull you out of church, to pull you out of relationship, to pull you out of... He's fighting because he knows he can take you out if he can take you out of church. So the benefits of belonging to church, the first is it's a family. In God's family, I learn my true identity. Ephesians 2.19, you are members of God's very own family and you belong in God's household with every other Christian, we're family. This is, this is a radical thought. Jesus, when they came to Jesus and said to him, uh, Jesus, um, your mother and your brothers and sisters are calling you because they thought he's gone psycho and they thought he was bringing shame to the family name. So they're like, can you just stop doing this preaching and miracle thing and come this way? And Jesus said, my mother, no, my brother and my sister are those who are following my father in heaven and doing his will. He actually said, your, your physical family is important, but our physical family is only a channel for us to be part of a spiritual family. Our physical family actually won't last for eternity. When we get to heaven, we're not going to be married to one another. 
Sad, I know. Or good news for some people, I'm not sure. But most sad for me, okay. We're not going to be married. We're going to be like angels when I get to heaven. So, so in that sense, my, my family won't be forever. I know I'll know them. I'll, I'll be in relationship. But the church lasts forever. My job as a dad is actually to introduce my family to their spiritual family, the church, the house of God, and fulfill their destiny being part of the church. That's the thing. So I find my identity. We, we find our identity in all sorts of places. Some are good, some are bad. Mostly our identity is found through the relationships that we have. We work out who we are through the relationships. I'm, I'm a Carlton football supporter. And I've been to the MCG when there's, that, when there's literally 80,000 people leaving all at once. You get on a tram and you get on a bus and, and all the Carlton people are wearing their colors and their scarf. And you know what? It just, you feel safe. It feels good. We're all, you know, you're singing the team song. There's something about this mutual connectivity that makes me feel like I belong in that setting. Now that comes and it goes. And at the moment, it's going pretty good, okay? But at the moment, only because we won yesterday. But my identity comes through relationships. I'm a son. I'm a husband. I'm a, I'm a dad. I'm a friend. I'm a pastor. Now, here's the problem, though. If my identity just comes through what I do or my close relationships and those things change, my identity is going to take a big knock. If you've ever been in a long-term relationship and then broken up, you'll be feeling like, what happened to me? Who am I? Because suddenly it's like the, the person, my identity was tied up in this relationship. If you've ever, if you've ever uh, worked really hard and then lost your job and, and suddenly, or, or people who retire often find this, What's my, what, who am I now? Because I was, when people said, oh, what do you do? Who are you and what do you do? Most well, I'm a lawyer or I'm a whatever I am. And my identity is tied up in my role or whatever it might be. You, uh, when you leave school, so there, there are danger periods in our life that are transition periods, usually because relationships change. And God's design for us is to have something that supersedes all of those things, His church. So that even though relationships might change, your status might change, you might leave school, leave work, go from one job to the other, retire one day, but there will be relationships that will hold you and give you identity. When I was uh, in, went from grade 6 uh, primary school to grade 7 in Victoria, I, I had an identity crisis. I went from a little small public school where I was the king of the kids, you know, like grade six, you're ruling, right? I'd been there for years. I was popular. I was a leader. I had heaps of friends, and it was awesome. And I got, I got taken out of that school, and I went to a private school where a lot of the kids had been together for years. They were a lot more wealthy than our family. I felt pretty thrown out of my depth. I experienced bullying, and it was, it was messy, okay? It was just messy because my relationships changed. And it could have been a, a really destructive period in my life, and it did mess with my identity to a degree. But what was awesome was during that period, separate to my school, I had a, a church youth group. And every Friday night, we would turn up to church youth group, and someone would tell us we were loved, and we would have fun, and we'd learn about the Bible, and we'd encourage one another. And I just, I had this sense of identity, in spite of all the mess going on out there, I had this sense of security and identity that came from belonging in the church. That's what church will do for you. In God's family, I learned my true identity. Let's keep going through this. What else? In God's temple. All right, Jesus said this. Don't you realize that you're all together are the temple of God and His Spirit lives in you. Okay, now individually, my body is the temple of the Holy Spirit when I'm born again. But together, we are God's meeting or gathering place. In the Old Testament, they would have to go to a physical temple because that's where God's presence was. In the New Testament, God's presence actually dwells in us. 
That's where a, the Bible calls it a building, where we're supported by one another. Have we got any Lego people in the house tonight? Anyone who loves Lego? Give me a wave if you're a Lego person. We've got a few. Okay, I'm not particularly a Lego person, but I watched the last Lego Masters. The reason I watched it is one of the, the guy who came second, I went to university and youth group with 25 years ago. And so he, he, he was on this show and I was watching. I, I, I actually loved it. I love Hamish. He's a funny guy. I love Brickman. I don't know if anyone saw Brickman. Brickman's awesome. He's like the judge. And he was such a softie that when he had to kick somebody off, he almost wept every time because it was, just, it was beautiful. They, they, they took that role off him after a while because he kept breaking down, okay? So not, not quite cut out for the hard calls, but Hamish had to do it after a little while. But I loved the show, and I watched as they made these incredible building masterpieces, like mind-blowing masterpieces. But you know what I noticed in these masterpieces? There was never a random piece of Lego stuck out nowhere. There was never. It was designed to be connected, to build something great. And, and sometimes the support structure wasn't that great if there wasn't enough Lego bits around something and it would fall over and crash. And God has designed you. Peter says this, we're God's living stones, His building, built together. God's designed you and I to be His building, His temple, the place where He dwells. And when we're locked in together in relationship, this is what happens. I get strength from one another. I get support from somebody else. I, I, get, I feel that, that connection builds something. This is, this is what small groups are all about, and I'm going to talk about that soon. But we all need support. None of us can do life alone. I know what it's like to have a dark spiritual cloud over my life that won't seem to shift, but then someone from my church family prays for me, and it shifts in a moment. I know what it's like. I know what it's like to go to my mum's funeral and be overwhelmed with grief, but then to look around and go, here's people from my church family who have come along to hold me up and to support me and to strengthen me and to stand with me. I know what it's like if I'm questioning myself of, of what I'm doing and my calling and my purpose and for someone to speak encouragement and life into me. That's the, that's the strength that comes from being God's building and being connected together. But it's a choice we have to make. We'll get to that. Number three. In Christ's body, I discover my unique value. Okay, Teresa talked about this this morning. Uh, th this is part of your wiring, your, your giftedness, your spiritual gifts. It, you'll never actually really have that sense of fruitfulness, that deep fruitfulness, unless you start using your spiritual gifts. And our church will never be all that we could be until you start using your spiritual gifts. Just as a jigsaw piece needs every piece to be in place. Some of you are probably like my kids or even me. When a jigsaw puzzle, because Danielle does them a bit, when a jigsaw puzzle started, how many of you just grab a couple of pieces so you've got the last one to go in there? Oh, don't leave me out here hanging. Is that just me? Is that just kids? Oh, okay. Whoops. Sorry. That's really bad. Okay. Well, don't do that. Don't do that. That's bad. Apparently. That's, that's really, is that bad, Teresa? That's bad. Like, don't do that. Don't be that person who wants to take all the glory of putting the last piece in. All right. Here's the thing, though. Just stop judging me right now. Please support me and strengthen me. I need you right now to help me. Here's the thing. The church is a jigsaw picture, God's masterpiece, just as you are. And we will not be all... This church is not perfect. There is no perfect church. Every church is flawed because all of us are flawed. But you know what? The answer to a flawed church is every piece starting to find your place. We get better when you find your place, when you find your shape, when you find how to use your spiritual gift. Rather than, uh, you know, we did this years ago, we're like, oh, we don't like this about the church and we don't like that. And God spoke to us and said, well, why don't you be part of the answer? 
And that's what happens when you're part of Christ's body. I discover my unique val- uh, value. The last one I want to talk about, because I'm running out, of, well, I've run out of time, but I want to get to this. Rod, you can come on up now. I'm not sure if you've ever played the game, and maybe as an icebreaker in a connect group or with some people, but if you were an animal, what kind of animal you'd be? Come on. Okay, I'm feeling like you're all leaving me out here to dry tonight. Who's played that game? Come on. Yeah, okay, way better, way better. Now, normally, the guys choose a lion or something strong and awesome. That, that's kind of what it does. What I've noticed in that game, I've never, because I've done it quite a bit, I've never heard anybody say, I'm a sheep. Like, not even New Zealanders. <laughs> I've, never, I've never heard somebody say, I'm a sheep. But when God calls us a particular type of animal, He says, human beings are like sheep. He said that we need a shepherd. In fact, Jesus is described as the great shepherd. Now the reason, because you can think, well, that's a bit insulting because sheep aren't super intelligent. Why does he call us sheep? Why are we the sheep of his pasture? Well, one, it was an agricultural community, so they could understand that. But there's a few things about sheep that, okay, when you think about it, they resonate. Sheep are actually pretty innocent. Sheep have a tendency to just wander off and go astray. Come on, they just have that tendency. Particularly in agrarian cultures in the Old Testament time, they weren't like farmers with lots of fences. They would go through valleys and they'd go through mountains and the shepherd would be with them and their job was, to st- their job was a few things. One was to stop them running off. That was the job of the shepherd. Another was this. The reason that sheep are quite unique is they've got no natural defense against predators. A horse can kick. Bulls will charge. But there's no, sheep have got no natural defense against predators. Sheep need to be together, and they need a shepherd. And that's why when God talks about the church, He calls us His flock. And Jesus is called the great shepherd. And he says, when, he writes to, when Paul writes to pastors, he tells them, because the word pastor is the same word as shepherd. So I would be, if I, we were in New Testament times, I would be called your shepherd. The shepherd of the church. And then there would be under shepherds, ones who are, would, would serve, depending how big the size of the, the flock was. And Paul, uh, Peter writes, saying, take care of God's flock, his people that you're responsible for. Watch over them because you want to, not because you're forced to do it. The next one's a very scary scripture for me, Hebrews 13, 17. Obey your spiritual leaders. Do what they say. Their work is to watch over your souls and then they they know they are accountable to God. I'm going to stand before God one day and give an account for you. You'll have to give an account for you. But I'm going to have to give an account for you. Did I pray for you? Did I teach you? Did I feed you? Did I lead you to a place of, of feeding spiritually? Did I protect you? Did I warn you? And we need a... Now, I don't know everybody's circumstance and situation, so I can lead the church as a, as a key pastor along with Danielle, but we appoint pastors. And then we appoint small group leaders. And we ask our small group leaders to pray every day for everybody in their group. We ask our small group leaders that if they see someone going a bit wonky, have a nice conversation. 
Or just warn people. Just, I see you're just starting to do this, and if you keep going that, there are wolves and predators that direction. Because we just, we need warning. We, we need someone who's going to say, oh, I'm worried about you right now. I'm not just praying about you, but I'm worried about you. You're getting drawn into a relationship that's going to be damaging to you. You're getting drawn into a lifestyle that's going to be painful for you. Because we're his flock and we need to be one another. And the greatest challenge I want to give us tonight out of this is if I'm called to belong, then I've got, I, I have to take a proactive step to belong. I can be begged, guilted, inspired by, by everybody to take a step of belonging to his church. But ultimately, you have to make the decision that you want to belong. That you want to, and the best thing you can do, if you're not already, the best thing you can do to belong is to actually join a small group in our church. That's the best thing. Gather together in someone's home, online. Talk about some things, spiritual things. Grow together. We're doing this together across the church right now. Ask for prayer. Pray for one another. Get to know one another. It will be guaranteed weird at first. Not, not like the group, just the experience. You'll, you'll feel uncomfortable. You'll feel nervous about going to an unknown space. I remember when I first joined the boot camp that I go to eight years ago, and I just, I was, I'm confident, but I was nervous. I was like, oh, what's going to happen? Are they going to run really fast? Will I get super embarrassed? Will they be mean to me? Will they not talk to me? Like all these things are going through my mind. I just had to do it afraid. I just had to do it uncomfortable. And now I look back and go, what a life-giving thing it's been for me. And maybe you're thinking, what if they make me pray out loud? They won't. What if they embarrass me and ask me to share my deepest, darkest secrets the first night we meet? They won't. I'll just talk and introduce and it'll be, it'll be, it'll be, it'll be an unusual experience because it's different, but ultimately it will be life-giving. That's the step. That is the step for you to take to belong. That is the step to take for your second calling for many of you right now. So I want us to close our eyes right now. Father, I thank you that you've called us to be loved by you and you've called us to belong, to belong to your family, to belong to your church, to find care and protection as part of the flock of God. And I'm asking, Holy Spirit, that you would urge people in their spirit tonight to not just go to church, but to belong to church. I come against the devil and every lie that he speaks into people's minds that you don't belong, that you're, an, you're on the outer, that you've, got, you've done something wrong, that you're disqualified. I break the lies that want to cause isolation in people's lives. And I say, God, tonight, draw us into your church. Some people here tonight, you're going to make a decision to join a small group. We call it a connect group. Maybe it's to do Alpha with some other people and discover about Jesus. But that decision that you make right now will be life-changing. It'll be like this little hinge 
that the door of your destiny will swing on. Because you say, I'm going to do it afraid. I'm going to connect in. This is what I want you to do. I know the Holy Spirit's convicting people right now about belonging to a small group. And if, if He is talking to you about that right now, I just want you to put your hand up and say, God is talking to me right now about belonging to a small group. Just raise your hand up real high. Say, He's talking to me. Awesome. Who else right now? Awesome. 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 Thank you. Who else right now? Just raise it up real high. God's he's challenging you to be involved. Awesome. Fantastic. Fantastic. This is where your life's going to flow from. You can put your hands down. Isaac will tell us in a few minutes how to take that step. What I want us to do right now, while eyes are still closed, I said at the end of this message, I would ask and give the opportunity for you to begin a relationship with God. If you don't have one, I'm not talking about believing that God's real. I'm talking about opening up your heart, receiving the forgiveness that Jesus Christ offers, and starting a relationship with God, letting Him in to your life. If you've never done that, you might have grown up in church. You might have never been to church. You might have gone to a youth group or some sort of Sunday school. You might have been a Christian for a while, but you've slipped away from God, and you know you're not right with God, and tonight it's time to get right. Whatever the situation is tonight, but you know you're not right with God, and you need to be. I want to tell you that God's smiling over you, that He's just waiting for you to say yes, and that if you'll do that tonight, in a moment, pray a prayer with me, with all of us, that something powerful will happen in your life. If you once walked with God, but you're away from Him, it's time for you to come back tonight. It's time for you to reconnect with Him. Or if you're just unsure whether you're going to go to heaven when you die, and you want to be sure. When you, get, when, when you get right with God, a confidence and peace comes into your heart. You're not uncertain about your eternity. You just you know you're going to spend eternity with God. So if you're saying, John, right now, I want to pray a prayer to connect with God. I, like Lydia, I want to take that step into that relationship. I want to come back to God or I want to be sure I'm going to heaven. Would you just raise your hand right now? We're going to pray this prayer together. Just raise it up real high. Say, that's me. I want to get right with God. Raise it up real high. Awesome. Thank you so much. That's awesome. I see your hand. Who else right now? This is your moment to connect with God. This is your, mo your moment to get right. I want you to raise your hand, not, not because there's something magic about raising your hand, but because you're acknowledging that God is speaking to my heart. The way God speaks to our heart is He often he uses people and just impressions. And you'll have this impression in you, on the inside that this is your moment. God's calling you. So I'm wondering if there's someone else before we t uh, pray together and you're feeling that sense, this is my moment. Your heart's burning because God's calling you into relationship with Him and He wants you to take a step. It's a courageous step but he wants you to take that step. If that's you, would you raise your hand as well and join us as we pray together right now. Raise it up real high. Raise it up real high. Awesome. Thank you so much. That's so great. So proud of you. Is there anybody else? I feel like there's at least one more person in the room. The two of you have got your hands raised. You can put them down now. Thank you. We're going to pray together in a moment. Is there anyone else? This is your moment. This is your moment for your name to be written in the book of life, the book that gets you into heaven. I want to lead you in this prayer. Don't put it off for another day. Today's the day. Don't wait until everything's perfect. Today's the day to connect with God. So if that's you, just raise your hand as well and we'll, join, we'll pray together.
is waiting right now. All right, all right, all right, we're good. Can we pray this prayer together? Those two ladies, you raised your hand. I want you to pray this prayer from your heart as we join with you. Say these words after me. Dear God in heaven, I thank you that you love me, that you sent your son Jesus to die on a cross for my sin. I'm sorry for all my sin. I turn to you with all my heart. I renounce the devil and all his works. Fill me with your Holy Spirit and the power of God. I thank you tonight. I am forgiven. I'm born again and I'm going to heaven. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Come on, let's give the, the Lord a great clap. Give these people a great clap. Thank you. For those of you who raised your hand tonight, I just want to, I always say this after every service, that basically when you begin a relationship with God or you come back to God, I want to invite you to do two things. One, just keep coming to church because this is where your relationship with God will flourish. Two, we have this course called Alpha. It's run by an amazing team of people. And uh, it's just six weeks about who Jesus is. And I love you to do it. It's going to start, and I think it's the first Sunday of the month, uh, on a Sunday afternoon. And I love you to just be part of that. You can answer questions, uh, ask questions, you can talk, and it'll really help you get a real understanding of what you've done. You guys are amazing. You belong in the house of God. You belong in His church. Thank you so much, Isaac. God bless.